This is an ABC podcast. This is Baby Talk Podcast with Penny Johnston. Have you ever been caught in the middle of a tantrum? As a parent or even as a bystander, they're horrible. If you're in public, people get judgy. If you're the parent, you can lose all sense of ability to function. And if you are in public... You can just wish a great big hole would open up and swallow you. I think possibly tantrums are one of the worst parts of being a parent. Although still getting up in the middle of the night isn't that flash either. I think the worst thing about tantrums is if they hit you from out of the blue. And I would pretty much put money on there being two reasons. One is being over-emotional, over-tired, over-stretched. So they're really rushed, busy, hangry, disconnected. And the second is because you've said no to their desire to have cause and effect over matter. They're embarrassing if they're in public, frustrating if you're on your own. It can feel like a battle with your child, which is why we've called in the experts. Lou Harvey-Zara is a parenting author, a teacher and presenter. She's written five books about understanding children and their behaviour. So Lou, when it comes to tantrums, we're counting on you. Do you have any advice for us? Yes, look, I I try and uh, want to unravel this puzzle of tantrums for you, first of all. I think we have to understand a toddler's brain. That will really get us going. And and, And I have ideas where we can severely reduce tantrums, I promise you, even eliminate them in a sense. But it starts from understanding toddler's brain. And so there are two impulses that are in a toddler's brain at all times. One of them is to move their body. And the second one is to what we call have cause and effect over matter, which means it's a little bit like destruction. But I promise you, if you watch a toddler at all times, that's all they're doing. And sometimes we don't realize we think they should, they're not playing like an older child. So what this is, is in and out, in and out of a cupboard, yeah, an object is appearing, picking up a ball, throwing it, cause and effect taking an object, banging it because they can hear noise. This is what I call the I can stage. I can move, I can climb, I I can make noise, yes? And if you kept a toddler diary, a toddler tantrum diary, this to me is fascinating because there'll always be a trigger. There'll always be a moment before. And I would pretty much put money on there being two reasons. One is being over-emotional, over-tired, over-stretched. So they're really rushed, busy, hangry, disconnected. And the second is because you've said no to their desire to have cause and effect over matter or take things from a supermarket. Now, of course, we want you to keep children safe. But I do say the word stop Let's save it for things that are unsafe and dangerous. And often with toddlers, we can see this action and we can redirect them. And I watched it all the time. A toddler's banging to make sound. I can make sound. That's what they do. They're sitting in a restaurant. They're banging their knife on their tray. They're not trying to upset everybody. They're saying, I can make sound. If we want to take that object and say, look after or care for or something with empathy, and then we say, come in the kitchen and put bang our wooden spoons on the saucepans. This is our drum kit. If they're throwing, we look after and we say, come and let's throw the indoor balls in a basket. If they're climbing, we look after the couch and we say, come and climb out on the couch. I promise you, I was in this park and this child 
was bent down and playing with gravel because they couldn't do cause and effect. And so they were making a shape out of the gravel. And the grandparents were saying, dirty, dirty. And I just held my breath. I knew it was going to happen. It was going to erode. And so I held my breath. And of course, it all exploded. Sometimes we cannot redirect our toddlers to where they can be safe with their explorations. A lot of the times we can. And because they're so in the moment, if we just say, oh, look, there's a hill. Let's go and be king of the castle. And somewhere else it's going to be a lot easier than constantly following them around saying, no, don't stop, no touch, Mm -hmm. no, don't. Big explosions. Of course we teach them. Of course we put boundaries around them. There's no doubt we don't do this. We put boundaries every time we redirect to something But if we can really save that stop and show them where they can have these healthy outlets of exploration, it's easier. Sometimes we can't and there is a tantrum. Please, in your rhythms, if you go to a supermarket, never ever buy them something a sweet because then they don't even notice their sweets in the supermarket. So we have to actually get very rhythmical or we shop by ourselves. If we have got into a pattern of doing things, put, please put our technology in baskets up high. If we leave it all around the coffee table where they can see and touch it, they're going to ask for it all the time. So really what we do around our children has quite an effect. I've given you lots of ideas in a row now. I, I, I got a bit carried away. That's okay. So possibly the the key for tantrums is one, try and work out if one's brewing and the second is deflect. So it's sort of like, look, over there, is that a dolphin? (laughs) Um, It is, but it's not always deflect because they have to learn the lessons. So my redirect is definitely looking after and showing what is happening, why we need to stop an action. And showing clearly where I don't like it when I see parents and they might even be hurting or hitting another child and they just redirect to something else. You know, the the redirect really is when it's true, when something's brewing and you need to bring that child out of that uh, that present time for sure. For sure, that is true. We've all been totally embarrassed when we've been in a, a sort of a situation where the little kid's in the sandpit and your kid clonks the other kid because they want the spade and the other kid's got it mine how do you respond in a way that's respectful for the other child and move things on obviously they don't have the language sometimes in the emotional skills and we have to watch them very very closely at this age we can if we we need to step in i think that we could acknowledge the other child and you, if they are particularly crying, we can say they're happy and now sad. We need to make them happy again. And we can have these fairly simple languages that we do. And I often say that we can role play or we do a rewind in a sense. Yeah. So if we rewind, then we can go in and say, you need to ask for a turn or get the other shovel. And we can do a repair where we give it back to them. Or as an adult, you might say you're sorry or you might rub their arm or something like that. But sometimes these situations provide a little avenue, but people over talk. We just need to use keywords and little words to actually go in and show the solution or show what might have happened. If that's not possible we can actually go in and make a fuss of the child that's been hurt, in a sense, and say you're sorry. When you get home, this might be a key skill that you need to practice with Teddy. 
Teddy's turn, my turn, Teddy's turn, my oh, turn. Oh, yeah, good point. You know, we, this is something, if we see these things happening, sometimes we need to practice them out of that situation so that they have the skills too. I'm going to give you a, a case scenario of my little boy was in kinder and we were at a big kinder picnic and there was a little sister and he just literally ran into her full rugby tackle, knocked her flying. When I talk about creative discipline, it's always good when you look at the behaviour to ask ponder why really really ponder what was the motive of the child when they did that okay so all behavior is a way of communicating or there is a motive and a lot of behavior that we see if you look at the motive maybe he didn't see her maybe he was overexcited and just running did, you know, did did they do it on purpose or not on purpose? Because then really it's an accident rather than something else. So uh, with behavior, I often think, what value do we need to teach? If it was an accident, then we still make amends. We might still write a card, I'm sorry that you were hurt, or go over to make that solution in a sense if, if they're happy and then they're not happy let's do something happy and then it's a clean slate yeah. so I'm sorry it's often like sorry they didn't mean it and if they feel told off then they, they, they have something that they actually didn't mean to do I can't give you a magic wand I can't give you one thing to say when every single situation no. comes out but I just want you to look at behavior and look at it as a bit of a puzzle and interesting it's like look at tantrums yeah what happened before that tantrum? What was the key? Because that's where you can change. If there's a behavior outside, look at the motive. And then you need to see what you need to teach. Okay, so if they did bump into them by accident, maybe you need to teach we have to look out for people when we run fast. We have to look, we have to watch our bodies because they're very powerful, which means we run fast, but they can hurt people. So we have to watch our bodies. Yeah. So what are what are the lessons that we can teach every time there there is one that we can go through and talk? Because actually the word discipline stems from the word disciple and it actually means to teach. It actually means training in life's values whether that's kindness or whatever it is so there's always an opportunity to do that I find parents if I go in to do a let's rewind let's do that or a make amends or say to a child hands down we use need to use our words everybody doesn't mind you doing that because even though you're putting a boundary out and you're being clear that that's hurting or it's not kind we're also leading and we're we're, we're showing and we're teaching and we're caring for people because discipline actually means to care too mm. yeah I guess possibly one of the bigger problems of tantrums if you're child's having a tantrum in front of other parents you've got the humiliation of oh my goodness I can't keep my kid under control here comes another tantrum so some of it must be managing our expectations as well it is it is and as I said there's a lot of things that we can do I have a whole section in creative discipline connected family of every scenario I have ever ever been asked since a child's 12 <laughs> months old to five and looking at the clue. So we, do, as parents, we don't have a microchip. No one gives us ideas unless we watch someone else or read or listen. So don't ever feel a failure because you won't have a single idea. But do try and equip yourself a little bit. And then if their tantrum happens, they're always going to happen. They don't, you know, they're going to ask for unhealthy things. But I often say, please, when we do say this, no, give a reason. Real bodies like real food. 
Bodies fire up like a Christmas tree when we move around and play, not sit and look at a screen. Like, actually give your reason why if you can't redirect. It's always going to make you feel like you're caring, not that you're just shutting off their impulses, which none of us like. If a tantrum does happen, then I often say breathe. (laughs) Mm. Ignore the child, but not the tantrum. And when it comes through, then we can redirect into something else or make them safe. But it is really interesting to look at tantrums as interesting and seeing how we could have redirected that. How could we have rephrased our language? I know that we still definitely need to say stop and no, and that's dangerous. And I label the behavior hitting hurts. Yes, Mm. that's unkind. But if you see the motive, we can really guide and teach and find solutions. And that's what children need. So they... They need a lot of lessons and a lot of learning, and that's what we're there to do. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we've got our L plates on to as parents. We're trying to find our way through the conundrum that is being a parent. And especially in my experience, if I had done that as a kid, I would have got a belting. And, yeah, sure, I would have stopped instantly, and I would have been really sad and probably in pain. But that doesn't sort of equip you particularly well for trying to find new ways to stop that behaviour when you're trying to do it a better way. Well, yes, a lot of children, they'll stop out of fear, but they actually haven't learned what to do next time. And they may keep that memory of embarrassment or shame, whereas when, when I say let's make amends and it's a clean slate... And I use that language the whole way through my parenting. How can we make amends? And it could be get a glass of water, give a cuddle, get a book, whatever. It could have sorry in there. And then it's a clean slate because that's a beautiful way of of learning how to do things in life. Otherwise, there's a defensiveness in the child. There's a, a can be a separation. Things can go up in smoke. I often see these tantrums when this child is asking for something, you know, in a shop. And I would always say, what a great idea. Let's put that on the Christmas list. That's it. What a great idea. And nowadays we take a photo. But you can say, no, no, no. And then the child starts a tantrum and then the mother or father says, I'm leaving you now. And then we've got this primal (laughs) screaming because they're thinking they're going to be abandoned. Yes. So we can look at this and sometimes step into our children's shoes. And if we got up this morning and someone said, don't put that clothes on, don't eat that breakfast, don't get in that car, I think we would have an adult tanty. We definitely have to have boundaries for sure. If we do say no and we tell them why, real bodies like real food, I want your brain to be so healthy and fire up to move your body. They always comes from caring. And then when we have to use our big gruff voice, say stop, but we do it infrequently. They really hear us. They really listen. If it's there all the time, it's hard. As I say, I don't have a magic wand, but please do look at times. There'll be overtiredness, overstimulation, hangry. We'll Hmm. need to know to stop before that in our rhythms, read stories, have our snack, have our bed. It can be a disconnection from us. It can be a gruffness in us, which we all do from time to time. We're not perfect. It's fine. Uh, It can be saying no, which we can transform this by saying how and when they can have it. Everybody knows that family, in inverted commas, where there's some dreadful child straight out of the pages of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory that runs their family 
on a tantrum and it's almost as if the parents are a bit too scared to say no or they'll just become the victims of a horrendous tantrum. So this is really something that you want to avoid while you can still pick them up. Definitely. And you've got to be aware of not changing your mind as they tantrum because then they learn. And I definitely had really strong boundaries. I had boundaries around food, bedtimes, technology, all this tantruming material, I definitely have strong boundaries around. But uh, sometimes it's uh, how we do that, the words we use. And any sort, I would always react to my children if there was any a hurtful situation. You know, I'd say hands down or we need to make amends, clean slate. Of course, we have to teach all these values. We can't be afraid of their tantrums. But I do say to parents, if you were to keep a tantrum diary from now and a week, you would start to get clear about those triggers. You would definitely be able to have strategies to work them out, change some things. And with some of the ideas I've said, and there's a lot more in my books and workshops, you will certainly start to see how you can actually reduce them or eliminate them, but never altogether. We're, we're human beings. <laughs> we, we are going to express our emotions. And so if they do and you feel this is a value that's crossing and I'm holding this, then sometimes we need to wait for it to come through and then very, very calmly state that value, kind to our tummy or kind to other people or look after other people or whatever it is. So, Lou, do you think that parents that that don't conquer the tantrums for two-year-olds are going to be stuck with tantruming teenagers or is that an entirely different thing? Well, that's a good question. And yes, teenagers, they do have a brain and teenagers are a completely different kettle of fish. (laughs) I could talk to you for an hour on teenagers. I want to call it terrific toddlers and I actually want to call it terrific teens. We just get very scared and we have to understand what's going on. And if we have this understanding and some skills, we can do that. And again, with teenagers, it's amazing uh, to know what's in their brain and what fires them up and how we can change that. So sometimes you don't want a child that's living by their desires. <laughs> yes, so yeah, sure. loads of screen time and it's unhealthy, lots of junk food, it's unhealthy, whatever. We absolutely have to put our boundaries out. And, and sometimes when they're a little older, we talk after the heat of the moment. This is the thing. We don't try and do things in the tantrum because it's just fire on fire. And then we go in, we tell a story about our life how we learnt it or helped it, we go through it, we say why, but very simplistically, and we keep going over why it is that we're holding these boundaries, you know, why it is we we care for them in a very simplistic way. And then I think that they realise that that we're on their side, (laughs) not against them. Mm. And do you think that anyone who's having really bad troubles with tantrums, if they kept the diary, they looked for the the reasons why, they'd be able to solve them? Well, I think, as I said, it's not a simple thing, but I often watch and and there is triggers and how we behave does have a, a huge impact. As well as your child, there's different temperaments. So there are children that are naturally more fiery than other children. And toddlers are in this stage, okay? So they are just really, really fiery. And with these children, we have to give them lots of roles, We've got to make them useful. Oh, I need some big, strong hands. Big, strong hands help me carry the bags in. Oh, I need to help her. Where's my assistant chef to chop? We need to really involve our children, yes? We need to be with them. Connecting with them will have a profound effect 
oh, I need that laundry driver to take the washing back to the rooms. I know you're going, Lou, I can't think of all these ideas. But just know that we often need to keep these children a little busy and connected. I've walked into Bunnings. There's two boys, two parents, and one of the parents is saying, come on, I need you to find that blue paint. Remember the blue paint. Look for it. And others dragging their feet behind their parent who's gruffly saying, come on. I was sitting the other day and I was in a cafe and the, this child was really emotional and the mother said, look, your, your brother's behaving himself really well. He's going to get an ice cream. And I was like, my God. And then mm. the child started screaming and crying and got carried out. So no some, one got an ice some cream. Some children are more fiery and they're more energetic. And, and so in our rhythms, we might go for a walk before we get ready for bed. We, I've had dads that go in the garden with head torches and look around um, because we, they have to be active. They have to have roles. They have to feel important. Um, we often, if they're pulling a cat's tail, we say, tickle their chin and look, they're smiling. We have to show them. We have to role model them. Yeah? We can't just tell them to be kind. Yeah? We have to talk to their hands and say, wow, you're the cleverest hands, aren't they? Because they're so kind. Yeah, there's lots and lots of learning that we can do uh, around our, our moments, which are basically teaching our children or showing or role modeling our children yeah. towards kindness. And, and sometimes, you know, if you're kids are doing childcare or kindergarten it's always really useful if you can slip in a few minutes earlier and watch how the teachers are sort of running they're, they tend to be a little bit better at the discipline than we do yes and I do I I'm not here I want to give you lots of ideas but sometimes just reading a book uh, watching someone else as I say we uh, when I started teaching I taught children with autism and Asperger's and I didn't have a single idea not one and when the child threw a tantrum I had not a clue what to do. But this school ran a, a system called the least restrictive first. This is what the system was called. And it always started with pondering the reason why behind the behavior and then seeing how you could teach the new behavior or the solution. This is where I learned redirect, change the environment. We all know about the nappy timetable when they're two and a half. They won't lie still because they want to move all the time. If you understand it's because their brain wants to move all the time, have cause and effect. As I said, I didn't have a single idea, but working with another teacher and looking at these strategies and thinking she was like a magician, I then suddenly realized, oh, I got ideas. And once you start with this way of disciplining in a sense, which is also teaching and guiding and caring, you'll be surprised that the other ideas come, but you won't have any ideas. So if you do want to go to Happy Child, Happy Home, I'm always giving talks, often in libraries. I am giving workshops. If Creative Discipline Connected Family, half the book is every single tantruming situation you can ever imagine. <laughs> what a book. Just and to get just to get ideas. And do you think that the parents who have kids with autism, are they going to be in a harder spot than kids that don't? Or are all children going to sort of present the same type of challenge to their parents oh, because no. that's just the nature of parents no no of course when we have children and I very much honor the parents who have 
special or additional needs children that also it's going to be a lot more difficult you're going to have to spend a lot more time wondering about their world (laughs) and what's happening and because often these children have for less communication sometimes more uh, difficulties with sensory processing sensory food clothes the world noise a lot more is going to be a trigger for them to be emotionally upset and so that's why we have to really understand these triggers and we were taught we, we had to teach them how how to live more into the world so we had to go on a home visit if teeth brushing was difficult that might be a sensory thing we had to desensitize and, and do these things in in the classroom so definitely more difficult what I am saying is often that toddlers are in a stage where mm. they don't have the same communication yeah yep they don't have the emotional development the skill so often a lot of what I taught learned with redirection and uh, with changing the environment like the car the nappy change the games that we play has really really directly influenced toddlers' moods and toddlers' mm. behaviour. And we've got to look at our key values. For me, if a child's two or a child's 18, my three values are exactly the same. The first is to be safe to yourself and other people. And we have to hold that and we step in. The second is to be healthy, <laughs> but we can help with that fussy eating, with the, the ways we can incorporate food and have our smokers board. And the third one when they're older it's respect when they're younger it's kind yeah and we these are living in our house and so the way we pick up a toy and say oh i'm going to look look after and be kind uh, we we can install these with our children with my daughter now safe is if you go to a festival and you go to go to the toilet you don't ever leave a friend to go alone you all go together it never changes Mm. a two-year-old it's hands down look at their face sad be kind, ask your turn, use your words. Oh, we need to stay here till we can go back with kind hands. But also giving them the skills. You know, you need to say, stop, I don't like it. Mm. And, and practicing at home. Some people even have like a kindness jar at home and they look out for kind acts and they just drop in a gemstone or, or something. And hey, high five. And then if they're older, they count them all. Not to get a reward, just to count them on Sundays to see how many kind acts there were. So we need to often look for the positive way to behave and then praise our children. And not with good girl, good boy in a sense, but with, oh, fantastic sharing. Everybody was happy. Fantastic safe bodies. Oh, we went and we played. We got really excited, but everyone was safe. Well done. Fantastic bodies. High five. Yes, so we've got to look at the behavior we want and look for the right thing and praise it and say what effect it had. Everybody was smiling today. Give yourself a round of applause and do it around. So much to cover. So little time. But I'm hoping you've got one idea. Don't feel overwhelmed. Just one idea to try. Makes a difference. Lou Harvey Zara, parenting author, teacher and presenter. And her book, Happy Child, Happy Home, has some more hints for dealing with the terrible tantrums, which hopefully you're leaving with a few ideas in your parenting toolkit. Baby Talk, if you have just found us, we are a weekly podcast. Often we post on Facebook this week not so much until things get sorted out but you can always find us by using your search engine baby talk just one word will find us and baby talk online where there's a huge selection of podcasts about all sorts of different topics all to do with parenting last week a fascinating topic children with sleep problems and how to deal with them one of the problems with this kind of encouragement of 
avoidance, which we see in anxiety, we, we see in many mental health difficulties in childhood. One of the challenges with if adults around you are helping you avoid what you're scared of is that you as the child can never learn, actually, I'm okay. I, I actually can be safe in my bed. Actually, I'm, I'm okay to sleep in here by myself. If you've got a child that's finding it difficult to sleep, this could be invaluable information because if your kids are all sleeping well, I'm sure you've got a friend who might need to hear this podcast. If you're listening on iTunes or the ABC Listen app, just have a look and there's a share button that allows you to text or email the link to the podcast to a friend. Hello, this is Baby Talk. Please share this podcast because sharing is nice. Because it's always great to share good information. I'm Penny Johnston and I'll see you next time on Baby Talk. ABC Baby Talk is a weekly podcast on ABC Radio, wherever you get your podcasts and on the ABC Listen app. Like us on Facebook to find out as soon as a new episode is ready. Just search for ABC Baby Talk. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.